Welcome to Build It Bootcamp, a podcast for aspiring entrepreneurs that are frustrated with their W-2 jobs. Join us and learn how to build and scale your own business, hosted by me, LJ Haywood. During each episode, I will introduce a topic that relates to business and entrepreneurship. Whether or not it's just myself or even a special guest, the information will be valuable in building and scaling your own business. Real quick, before we get started, I wanted to ask you a question. Are you locked into what you're doing right now, career-wise, job-wise, or are you seriously just frustrated and you're looking for something bigger and better? Well, if that is the case, I got some great news for you. Our team's expanding online, but we're looking for the right people, people that are entrepreneurial-minded. And I figured you're listening to this podcast, so you might be the kind of person we're looking to work with. But I don't know for sure. So book an interview by visiting countonly.com forward slash LJ Haywood. That's C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y dot com forward slash LJ Haywood. Many of us are plagued with self-doubt and feelings that we aren't enough. So my hope is that today's discussion with Barbara Jordan encourages you that you can overcome these obstacles in your business and that you are enough. I'm from Pine Bluff, Arkansas. It's a small town. A lot of people can relate to like Little Rock, Arkansas, which is 45 minutes away from Pine Bluff, Arkansas. But yeah, I grew up grew up there. Um, so it's close to Little Rock. Yeah, it's close to Little Rock. It's 45 minutes away from Little Rock. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I never, I never, well, I actually have been to Arkansas. I don't, I don't think I have been, but I think I had a guest on that was from Arkansas as well. Mm-hmm. Though. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's yeah. Small. It's- Okay. So how long did you grow up there or did you, or were you just born and raised, like were you born there and then raised somewhere else? No, I grew up there. Um, I didn't leave until, um, I left to join the military. Okay. Okay. So were you always going to join the military? Was that something you were looking into or is that how that happened? Oh, wow. Okay. So that's a good question. I was not looking into joining the military. It was, uh, something that happened by chance. Actually, um, the boyfriend I had at the time, we just had stopped at the recruiters and I ended up at the Air Force recruiter office and, okay. um, you know, talked to a recruiter and things of that nature. And then I was like, okay, yes, I could see like a way out in the situation I was in. So that's what, what made me want to join. What was that conversation like? Because I know that their job is really, If you did you have a good recruiter? Let me ask you that. I did have a good recruiter. Yes. Okay, good. And and, and the reason why I ask that, because you know, there are some horror stories where people yes. get in yeah. and they don't really get the job they wanted. Mm-hmm. They go up in general. I had a friend, I, I talked about this on the podcast before a friend of mine, he, uh, he went in, scored like a 90 something, like, a, like high nineties, right? Uh, 95 mm-hmm. above and ended up being security forces. So that's wrong. Wrong, nothing wrong with that job. You need security forces, but yeah. he felt like he probably could have had a different job. Right. He definitely could have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you went in, did you go in open general? Like, how was that? Because you went Air Force, right? Yes, I went Air Force. I went in open admin, and I ended up being a personnelist. And I was a personnelist my entire career. Okay, what was your first base? 
My first base was uh, San Antonio, Texas. Well, it was at Kelly Air Force Base. And um, it was like security here. So AIA was there. Air Intelligence Agency was there. And that's where I worked. So it's in San Antonio, though? Yeah, San Antonio. Yes. So there's two bases there then. Or was that? Because I know I, I went to basic at Lackland, which is also mm -hmm. in, in San Antonio, correct? Yes. And they actually, at the time, they had um, Kelly Air Force Day's base. It was Medina Air Force Base was there and Lackland Air Force Base. They have since made Kelly Air Force Base a, a Lackland annex. But ah, okay, that yeah. makes sense. You know, I, I live in Virginia now, and there's so many annexes and small little kind of like you'll be driving by somewhere, and there's actually a base gate there to go on yeah. to like a small little in the cut. This hair, this whole area of Virginia is very militarized, like it's like mm -hmm. it's crazy. Yeah. Um, it's not like in like you go to Oklahoma, uh, Tinker, it's like there's the base, and then that's mm -hmm. it. But places like Virginia, it's it's everybody's in the military, right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, w w w were your were your folks in the military? Is that why you got in, or no? My um, parents were not in the military. My um, mom, she was a custodial worker for most of her life, and my dad, he worked for like the housing authority mm. uh, for for his life. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. That's interesting. Yeah. And so, like, they pretty th those jobs are pretty much like, like like in service as well, right? Like, you're serving others in those career fields as well. Is that would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah, that's a fair assessment. Yeah, for sure. Like she, she uh, did custodial work her entire career, and then my father, you know, did the housing authority, and I mean, they enjoyed their jobs. That's dope. That's mm -hmm. dope. And when you got into the military, you you went in. You said that's personnel or admin. I went in as open admin, so I was a personnelist. Um, so I I really enjoyed being a personnelist and helping other people. It was right up my alley. Mm, mm -hmm. Okay. And when and when you got out, like, cause like, there must have been something like, like you desired more at some point. Like, what was that 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 thing that you wanted to do more outside the military? Well, outside the military, um, when I retired, which I retired um, here in New Mexico, uh, retired in twenty eighteen, and outside of outside of that, then I I just still had a desire to serve others. Were you and at Kirtland? I'm I'm curious. Um, I did. I, yeah, I was at Kirtland. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean to cut you off. We'll go ahead because we'll we'll, we'll, we'll we'll double back. We'll double yeah. back to Kirtland in a minute. Yeah, I was at Kirtland on the uh, 58 South Special Operations Wing. Mm -hmm. I work work with them, and that was my last duty assignment before I retired. Yeah. Okay. And so it seemed like. I mean, did you enjoy your time while you were in the service? Oh, I enjoyed my time thoroughly. I I had um went to multiple beautiful locations. Um. Um, my last assignment before coming to Curling Air Force Base, I was actually in uh, Alice Springs, Australia. So I did that tour for four years. I got wow. to go to Cyprus. Um, That's I, cool. Yeah, deployed to That's Afghanistan. Really, really dope. Yeah. I did Kuwait. Mm, just all kind of little, <laughs> little magical places. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you, when you say you recently retired, though, how how long ago was that? Yes, like I last... retired in uh, May twenty eighteen. 2018. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so what, what are you working on now? What, what, what I, 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 we, we can always go back. I, I want to go back to Kirtland in a minute, but oh, what, yeah. what are you working on now? Now um, I, I work, uh, actually have a, a federal job, a full-time federal job that I also run a nonprofit called people requiring equality within systemic systems um, called press New Mexico. And okay. it's from 
sentiment I say all the time, I always say, oh, no, we're going to press on. Like, you know, when you have an issue or something, I say, no, we're going to press on. Mm. So that is where um, Press uh, was born out of. Okay. So how long have you been running this nonprofit? Um, I've been running my nonprofit actually just since November of 2020, but it has grown mm. exponentially and or it's grown organically and it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool because I actually wanted to start my own nonprofit. I was doing a uh, a show uh, back. So when COVID hit, I was doing this show, Neighborhood of Mentors, and I mm-hmm. and it was a concept that I really uh, fell in love with. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking that that concept may need to be turned into a nonprofit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because I think that, like, for example, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine, um, uh, Joshua Banks. He was one of the first people that I interviewed on that show. It was a mm-hmm. live show on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And um and actually he just got COVID. So, you know, keep him in your prayers. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, he just I I just tried to call him, but his phone, he had all his his his, his inbox was full. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure people are reaching out to him and, and sending oh, yeah. him his, his love, mm-hmm. uh, their, their love to him. But anyhow, uh he said something during that show that really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And this may resonate with you as well, is that when COVID hit, we had the pandemic. We had the quote unquote riots or just uprising, like civil unrest, whatever you, you know, because people want to get political, but it, it was civil up, uh, unrest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what he said was very interesting to me because um, he's an activist in the local area in Virginia mm-hmm. Beach area, right? And uh, he said, when this happens, we have leaders in the community, but they're not identifiable. We yeah. haven't really identified our leaders in the community, and not just in the black community, just in the communities. Yes. Amongst every race and, and creed and and, uh, and background. And so he put together a thing called Voices of Virginia. Mm-hmm. And now it's becoming international like, or national uh, at a national level. So maybe I'll um, I'll, I'll see if they're going to have one. What they're probably going to do is have voices of every different state. Because right. what happens is if things go down. Mm-hmm. Some the loudest, you know, the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And so when all this stuff right. happened, you know, whether or not you were for or against what people were doing in the black community, we didn't really have people that were like yourself that served in the military that mm-hmm. are leaders, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, strong leaders to step up and give some sort of um, guidance, uh, yeah. a men- mentorship. Right. Yeah. And so now from that conversation, I was thinking like neighborhood and mentors would be really interesting to also uh, grow as well, mm-hmm. because I think that that was, that, that is the case. We have leaders in our community, mm-hmm. but we, they're not identified and right. we need those people because a young, these kids are young mm-hmm. and impressionable and they're upset and they're angry, mm-hmm. but we need to really take time and like, all right, you're angry, but there's a right way to go about this and there's a exactly. wrong way to go about this. Yeah. And you can actually, and this is my opinion now, but uh, I think you can, you can, uh, when a, when emotion is high, logic is low. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when things were getting so emotional, we're, 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 we're locked down, we're imprisoned in our homes, people are upset, all this emotional energy was happening. And I mm-hmm. think that we needed leaders to step up. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the leaders that we have, you know, whether or not it be political or not, yeah, th- they don't have our best interests at heart. They don't live in our communities. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's that's where I'm getting at. I don't want to get political, yeah. but I really do feel that we don't just need to be following these elected, these quote unquote elected officials. We need right. service members, people that are retired veterans to step up and have events and have have panels of of 
of real like the 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 top uh person in this industry the top mm-hmm. doctors in this industry local doctors you know right and so neighborhood right. of mentors is something that i'm thinking about um putting together as a nonprofit. so i, I gotta pick your brain about that what do you oh, think about yeah. that so far i hope i went on a, on, on a tangent there but uh oh no it's I, I, di- I digress yeah no i agree i mean uh if you're not part of us then you don't know us and and mm. local leaders in the community to guide and give space for the youth and the energy that they bring to the table. Yeah, let let it breathe. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Let it yeah, they have lots of great ideas. They they're uh, passionate. They have that fire and drive that we need to push and continue the movement. They just need to be routed um, in the right way so that we can make effective change. You know, mm-hmm. um, you do want to make noise, but then you also want to make that effective change as well. And that is where I come in at. So we can right. legislate and uh, lobby and do what we need to do so we can get the change that we need within our communities. So uh, let me sh- let me ask you a question about this, because, you know, normally during my show, I'll, I'll have my guests kind of share their story and we'll tie it back to the concept because today we're talking about you are enough. Yeah. But I actually would like to know what was the genesis of press? Right, because that's the that that's the acronym for your yeah. organization, right? Mm-hmm. Could you give me so what is it again? It's press it's, stands uh, for people, people requiring equality within systemic systems. People requiring equality within systemic systems. Yes. Press. Yes. Okay. And so what was the genesis? What made you decide to, if you don't mind me asking, what made you decide oh, to get this started? Yes, no, that's exactly what I'm here for. I want um to share my story because I want people to know that um you know, like like our uh, title says, you are enough. And press is something that was in me, uh, I'd say ever since I was around eight years old, I used to press on, you know, I grew up in an abusive household. Um, yeah, and, I can I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. yeah. yeah. An abusive household with my mother. Um, and, and I used to go to school and um, no one no one said anything to me. My teachers didn't acknowledge my face like where my mom had hit me in my face and it was all bruised on one side. Wow. I, I remember uh, not hardly, I was went to school one day and I, w- I could hardly walk. Um, I, could, I couldn't stand up straight. Mm-hmm. And I remember my gym teacher, she let me sit on the bleachers that day. And I was so grateful for her for that, you know, but still as a teacher, she never questioned why I couldn't stand up straight or why I was moving slow or my, my black eye or anything like that. But she did let me sit on the bleachers that day. And, and that is something I will never forget. So yes, I, it was um, a very rough childhood. I mean, I was basically um, a slave to my mother. I had to pick out her clothes. And if she didn't like the outfit that I picked out for her, I would get beat for that. Um, I had to manage her bills. Uh, I had to work ever since I worked ever since I was 16 and I would have to take my check and, and give it the whole check to her. And if she felt like I didn't make enough money, I got beat for that as well. Um, wow. Yes. I had to, you know, clean out her car, mow the lawn. I had to do all these things before I could do my homework. And one time um, she used to make us pray out loud every morning. We had to pray out loud and I prayed to go to college one day and I got beat for that. Um, uh, she used to make us pray for her man to come back home that she was seeing at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was just uh, crazy things going on in the house. And I, I honestly thought they were normal until I had started my fast food job at uh, 
a local restaurant and then I realized it, it wasn't normal. And that's mm-hmm. when in my head, I, I started forming a plan to where I was gonna have a better life for myself. And not only for myself, I wanted to make sure I had a better life for my siblings who were left at home. Um, so when I did end up at that recruiter's office, I considered it such a such a blessing. How old were you at the recruiter's office? When I was at the recruiter's office, I was actually um, 19. Okay. Still at home, you know, still getting beat. Like I was never intended to leave the household. My mom wanted us to stay there, work for her, get beat, clean the house, that type of thing. Basically, until we died. And Mm -hmm. um, so I actually, when I joined the Air Force, I, I did let my mother know and, um, she actually, on the day I was supposed to leave, she told the recruiter I had moved to Michigan. So, mm-hmm. and I almost missed, you know, joining. Mm-hmm. Well, then when she went to work, the recruiter happened to call the wow. house. Yes. And when he called the house, I said, I said, I'm here. I said, I'm here. I'm ready. And he would told me, he was like, well, your mother had told me you moved to Michigan. I was like, no, I'm here. And, um, I left. I left that day. I hugged my sisters. They were crying. And I left that day with nothing. I had no money. Mm-hmm. I had no clothes, you know, and I just knew I had to go. And so I, I left. So a wow. pressing one has always been uh, something that I've had to deal with, even even as a child. And it's something that I lived through in the military was to uh I'm a solutionist, you know, <laughs> so, so I, and a forward thinker. So I always coming up with solutionist stuff. So I will always tell my troops, no, we're going to press on, you know, and then now it just uh, lends itself to the nonprofit that that I started. I think, uh, well, for, for one thing, I want to thank you for sharing your story, because a lot of people um, can relate to that, uh, mm-hmm. that experience. I think, and unfortunately, uh, I can relate to it personally mm-hmm. at, a, at, a, at a very... Um, unique level because when I was a kid, I didn't deal with what you deal with. I feel like I had a savior in my grandmother, mm-hmm. but, um, my, uh, I remember this, uh, I don't share this story very often, but I'll share it with you mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm sure the audience is. So there was a, there was a, a pat, like we're talking about patterns in my last episode. Mm-hmm. And my dad had a pattern where he'd be very cool, calm, collected. And my granny would send us out to, uh, visit with him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this is after I already had been adopted by my grandmother. So she still, she actually never took us in. She took us in as a um, legal guardian mm-hmm. so that she, they would have the opportunity to come back and get their kids because if she came, if she became our, um, uh, what is it? I forget what there's, there's like, there's like, like full custody or whatever. I forget how the the, the wording is, mm-hmm. but if, if she would have done one level, then they would have had no opportunity to get their kids back. So she mm-hmm. was waiting for them to figure that out. And, uh, so we would go and visit them. And I remember um, I was doing a I was doing a podcast. Uh, I was doing a, I was doing a live show, like I was speaking at an event about a, um, a emergency fund. Mm-hmm. And my first experience with emergency fund was 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 I actually had an emergency, right? So what I would do is my granny would give us about two hundred dollars, and I would mm-hmm. take half of that money and put it in my sock, and the other half, my sisters and I would go down and visit my parents. Mm-hmm. Literally take the bus all the way down from Long Beach down to L.A. And you've been to California. I don't know if you've been to Cali. So I was about 13 years old when I was doing this with my Mm -hmm. sisters. And they were younger than me. So anyhow, my dad one day um, got drunk and attacked my mom. And I remember I I choked him out Mm -hmm. and put him to sleep. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to get a grip. And I literally cried that whole night and told my sisters that we're leaving the next morning. 
Yeah. And I pulled the money out of my side. Cause they're, they're thinking like, well, we ain't got no more money. We bought groceries. We just got here. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we, we literally had to take care of ourselves while we was with them. Cause they was just so yeah. dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. And uh, I grabbed the money out of my sock. I said, "Let's go home." And then I, mm-hmm. I and we got we got on the blue line because it's in, in Long Beach. Yeah, back you know back back in, on, and then went to the red line, got on the bus, and we were heading home. And my granny remembers this story a little bit differently because I didn't I haven't talked about it a lot, and yeah. I just told her about it. She was like, "Well, babe, you know what's so funny is I was leaving the house because you never because back then we didn't have cell phones, mm-hmm. so you would just." If you was a kid, you was out and you was out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh it's old school, right? So anyhow, um, I get home and I'm walking down and my granny had this old uh what were those cars called? The one that had like like the little pe- uh like a penta, oh, I forget what they're called, but it looked like a truck. Oh yeah, the- I remember those cars, yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. Them, but I know exactly like what a, you're like a Camaro, about. but it's <laughs> like or whatever they're called. I forget they're called. I'm not a car guy, obviously, right? <laughs> so uh she's driving by and um she turns around and she goes, I thought like she was going to the store and she saw me and my sisters walking back to the house. She's like, mm-hmm. you know, she's in the car watching us walk from the bus stop. Like, mm-hmm. It just ha- happenstance. And so she turned back around and come to the house. And she's like, and she, uh, she remembers, I don't remember this portion of it though. She remembers me telling, she remembers me telling her that we're not going back there ever again. Wow. Yeah. So, and that was, uh, that was about 13, 14. And so, mm-hmm. uh, it was very interesting. Now, I ended up going back and visiting my parents every once in a while, but it was on different mm-hmm. terms. Mm-hmm. Totally different, totally different terms. I wouldn't stay with them. I would stay with other relatives and things of that nature. But mm-hmm. you have to you have to grow up pretty quick when you yeah. are pretty much the adults aren't acting as adults should act. Right. Did I go off on a little bit of a tangent there? No, no, you're <laughs> fine. Like, no, I totally feel that. I understand that. And it just when you speak of that and you speak of like going back to visit your parents, like there was this inherent thing, like that's your mom and dad. Right. So you just, you keep forgiving them thinking Mm -hmm. that, you know, they're worthy of having you in your life and worthy of uh, you want to have some type of relationship with them because there's just like a need there, like a a lot. But yeah. Somebody told me this recently and this is something that I had, I had to hear. Um, Mm -hmm. He was saying that, Cause my mom, uh, she's bipolar. Uh, my dad, he 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 was in the military. He has some issues. Um, he's an alcoholic, and uh, I, I he said you still got to give them grace though. And I yeah. and and I remember my dad called me because like, whenever he calls me, if it's just him calling, mm-hmm. um, most of the time he's drunk. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. To this day, right? Uh-huh. Um, or my mom will call, and and she knows that I, like the relationship is very precarious to say the mm-hmm. least. Right? Um, but I still show them respect. I, I give them grace. Because they're 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 in a certain condition, you know what I'm saying. And I think a lot of people. I'm looking at it from the ideas of an adult, but you still got that little kid that dealt with that garbage as a child. But my granny always tells me that you have to really, really, really give them some grace because they're 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 in a condition that um, even now, like I look at I look around now, like a lot of people are on pills, mental health issues are becoming more right. and more prevalent. Mm-hmm. It's becoming more and more real. And a lot of people are in just a, a negative condition and they're not mm-hmm. really prepared. Like age doesn't give you necessarily um, respond. Like you don't become responsible with mature. age. Yeah. 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 You don't become mature. Like just because you become, you mature in age doesn't mean you, you mature in maturity. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it does. And, it does. and your story really uh, resonated with me because um, 
there's a lot of people that grow up, and especially in the black community, we're just taught that you're supposed to beat your kids. Yeah. I mean, they they joke about it. Like, if you go back and watch, like, Def Comedy Jam, mm -hmm. all those jokes, like, the old comedy, they would say, like, oh, these white kids is bad. You need, you need to beat these kids. Mm -hmm. But then I always thought about this, too. I said, well, if that's the case, if beating your kids makes them better, then why mm -hmm. are we in the condition that we're in? Yeah, it's not solving anything. Now, this is just my opinion. Now, I've had people argue with me on this, but I yeah. think that it's important to teach your kids negotiation skills. I think it's important. Like, I asked somebody this uh, recently because he, you know, he he hits his kids. I said, uh, and I don't have any kids, but I said, uh, so your kids does something wrong, and you disagree with them, you hit them, right? Yeah. I'm like, well, what if your wife did that? Would you hit her? Mm -hmm. goes, of course not. I'm like, well, what's the difference? Yeah. That's my. That's just my perspective on it. Mm -hmm. Like if Ella were to ever, we don't really argue, but if we were to have an argument or, or a disagreement or she says she's going to do something, she don't do it, mm -hmm. I'm not just going to go off and hit her. Right. Yeah. That's no, my fiance. I, yeah. So how do you I, <laughs> it's, it, it's wild to me. And actually growing up the way I did taught me what not to be as a parent. I have one 17 year old. He's 17 now. And he, uh, I raised him a totally different way. He mm -hmm. was never hit as a as a child, um, and we always talk it out. I gave him choices. I, I, I raised him through choices. Yeah. And, so, um, and he's one of the best young men that you would ever want to meet. My cousin Elijah. My, he kind of this kind of reminds me. So I was I was babysitting for my cousin my, my cousin Nikki. Mm -hmm. uh, you kind of remind me of her a little bit, and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll probably have to get you guys connected. She's actually a nurse. And I would babysit for him. And it was the same thing where I was teaching him how to box. And so we, mm -hmm. I was paying for his boxing training. And this is going to sound kind of messed up. But it's, a little, it's a little funny story, right? Uh -huh. um, instead of hitting him, right? Because I couldn't, at the time, like, even at that time, I, I, I can't, like, I'm not a, I'm not a violent person. Mm -hmm. So uh, even if I prescribed to that way of thinking, like I was hit as a kid, you know, I still couldn't do it. And now yeah. I have a psychology behind it, like a philosophy behind it. But anyhow... Uh, so we're boxing and we had, we, we had a camp. So I would, I, I would box and I'd stay after and train the kids. Mm -hmm. And I was Elijah's coach. So if he was bad at home, like he would, he would throw, he would throw tantrums and do all this stuff. And I'd take him to the gym. And if he was bad, if he was in the ring with one of the kids about his size, mm -hmm. I wouldn't coach him. Oh, I'd be no. quiet. So he began, he began, he be, he began, he'd be catching him hands. Yeah. And he'd look at me like, LJ, like, What's going on? I'm like, oh, you, oh, so now you wanna, now you want my help, but at the house you was, you was throwing a fit with your mom, right, right. So, at, uh, so then, um, he come back. He's like, I'm like, so you learned your lesson? He's like, yeah, you know, because I mean, it, it's, it's a lesson learned, right? He's learning how to fight, you know. And uh, we go home, and he he throw a tantrum. I'm like, Elijah, what I tell you about throwing tantrums? And mm -hmm. she, he look at her and look at him. He like, I'm like, because <laughs> he's because I was trying to teach him that. I'm your cousin. I'm mm -hmm. the adult. I'm here for you. You learn from me. Yeah. But you can't disrespect right. the people. Like you can't bite the hand that feeds. Oh yeah. Like, sure. You get what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. if I'm here to, if, if I'm taking my time to teach you how to box and teach you all this cool stuff, and then you go home and you throw a fit mm -hmm. and you start crying for no reason, then I, then I, I, I'm, 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 I'm reserving the right not to help you with that. Yeah. And so we would, we would do that, and uh, or if he was good, I'd take him to the, to the park. Like I like it was it was like like a reward system essentially mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. um, I was teaching them how to negotiate, and actually it was funny too because uh, we go out places. I'm like, look, if you can talk me into it, you can get it, mm -hmm. right? Like so, so he be trying to negotiate with me at the McDonald's, like like he would try to talk to me. Like I'm like, are you getting a six piece? Are you getting that? He's like, well, technically, I want to do it. I'm like, all right, go ahead. And I'm listening mm -hmm. to him talk, and I'm yeah. like, 
I'm not convinced. You're not yeah. convinced with me. Like, <laughs> and he, he, he's like, I'm like, you got to work on your pitch. Like, I was just, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not convinced. I'm like, it's my money. So I'm, I'm going to get this unless you can convince me that you need that. Right. He's like, well, uh, if I get that, then I can save it for later. It isn't that. I'm like, oh, okay. That sounds interesting. You know? Yeah. That's good. That's good. I like that. It was dope. Yeah. It was fun. It was dope. It was dope. But let's get back to. <laughs> I get up, I get up on these tangents, but let's get back to um so what was the first wall with the with the nonprofit? Because I know when you start something new like that, there's that 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 peak where you're like everything, oh that's great, that's great. Yeah. Have you hit any walls so far with the nonprofit? Because you've been running it since last year. Yes. You know, I can't I cannot say that I have okay, so I, I would say if I had a wall, it would be per participation mm. is uh is, is is key. But, you know, if I had to go at it alone, I, I would go at it alone. So mm -hmm. I just put that to the side as well, because you really have to have a passion for this and you got to know what you're doing. And when I say know what you're doing, know your vision for yourself and for your organization. And you right. got to, um, you know, put, push that out no matter what. So, I have an idea I'm going to share with you in a minute, but go ahead. Okay, I have a yeah. great idea. Yeah. So even if... Um, let's say I wasn't getting the support that I needed or the participation I needed. Like I'm hitting the streets anyway. Like I'll be out there passing out socks or whatever by myself if necessary, you know, or I'll be uh, in the mayor's office uh, talking about how we need mental health uh, in the school, regardless of if, you know, I had support or not. So um, it really has to be in you and you got to want to do it and know what you're doing. Like not just for, Oh, this sounds like a good idea today. Like, no, you need to commit your life to this and press. Yeah, and I was actually gonna say, so you and I were talking. We had a, we had a meeting a couple of days ago. What mm -hmm. was it like, like? I forget what day was that. But uh, we were talking about the podcasting and all that kind of stuff, yeah. and uh, just came to mind. And I just just from my experience, um, messaging is really important, right? Uh, and being yes. very clear and concise, mm -hmm. and and letting people know, like, is this for you or not? is really important when it comes to messaging. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking, I'm like, you could do like the press on podcast. Oh yeah, I could. That'd be dope, right? That'd be dope. Yeah, so, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah. And then um, and then it would be like, um, we, we, we'll, we'll talk offline about the messaging, okay. but I think that that name would be dope mm -hmm. because it's something that you say, it's a quote that you say, and it ties mm -hmm. back into your nonprofit. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, um, uh, man, that's dope. That would be really dope. Press mm -hmm. on, press on podcast. So it'd be yeah. like inspiration. Yeah. Um, you could even do like press on Mondays. So you hop on Facebook Live and you mm -hmm. and you and you do like a almost like a daily devotion. You know, mm -hmm. like in the church, uh, oh, that yeah. kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So that would be kind of dope to do because the people got to know your your story yeah. and the strength that it takes to share the story. Yeah. is important too. Cause I, I look at it like this. There was a point where you probably didn't feel comfortable sharing what you just shared with me. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that, is that, is that, would that be a fair assessment? Yes, that's a fair assessment. It really took me, um, mm, I, I, it took me to, I was actually stationed in LA, which was around 2013 to, mm -hmm. uh, grasp the strength to start sharing my story. And I started realizing that, um, you know, I could help other people by sharing my mm -hmm. story. So, that's why it became important to me to get my story out there as as much as possible. I mean, I'm I'm a living example of what you can do uh, in spite of, 
you know, mm-hmm. when you feel like um, you have no one, because I truly felt like I had no one the entire time uh, growing up and things like that. And and I myself, like, I mean, we talked about a little bit, but I was in six different foster homes. And, mm-hmm. and LJ, when they came to get me from the school for the foster home, I held on to the table for dear life. I couldn't see the help for myself because I was so afraid of getting beat. I was like, okay, if they take me, she's going to beat me. Isn't that crazy? That's what right. I was thinking. If they right. take me to the foster home, she's going to beat me. So how, how old were you? So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to back it up. So you were in foster care. So your, your birth mother, right, is yes. who you're talking about. Yeah. And then you went to foster care. What Do you mind sharing like how that ties into it? Like how that? Yeah, let me tell you. So I went to foster care. I was around 10 to 12 years old when the years I was in foster care. But guess what? (laughs) This is wild, but this is what happened. Small town, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. My mom became friends with the foster care, our caseworker. And the Mm -hmm. caseworker got us back home to her and she just continued to beat us. So you were taken originally for that reason? Is that why you went to foster care? Because yeah. she was she was uh, uh, being violent towards her kids, abusive towards the kids? Yes. And then uh, your mother, uh, and I don't want to talk bad about her, but no. she manipulated the person to yeah. get back with yeah. you? Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. And then that's really, she- that's really, that really, wow, that shows you that there's a lot of holes in that um, mm-hmm. in that system. It's supposed yeah. to protect people. That's what it's supposed to do. But right. I I haven't heard, like, thank God, like, my sisters and I really didn't have the same experience. So when we were taken from our mother um, and father, it was mostly because of just, it was how, how dysfunctional it was. Mm-hmm. They tried everything. Like, they, they even sent, so my mom, my mom wouldn't clean the house up. She wouldn't cook. She wouldn't clean. She was just, mm-hmm. it was just all over the place. And so they even sent a person to come out and like take care of the house with her and help her out. Mm-hmm. And she would mm-hmm. just yell at the lady and, and get her out of there or whatever the case. And my mm-hmm. granny had to tell me all these stories. This is all hearsay from my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my granny would come out there. And around six years old, I remember it was like men in black because these guys show up to the house mm-hmm. and they just drove us off. And I remember in my brain, like, you know how when you've told a story so many times, yeah. you don't actually remember it. You just remember the telling of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the way I've told this story, I don't, and the way I remember, I visually remember it is I was crying, looking in the back seat, and my mom and dad were in the street as these guys were pulling off with us. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I didn't really, that, the thing is, I don't remember them being abusive when I was that age, mm-hmm. right? But they were abusive to each other. Right. I didn't, you know, I don't remember being, you know, it was, it was almost like my mom was just, all, and, and I, I noticed this too about people that are bipolar is that. You can be happy all the time, but being mm-hmm. happy all the time and being sad all the time are pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So she yeah. was just always happy about everything, but nothing uh-huh. was being done. Mm-hmm. Everything was, a con- but she was just so cheerful. And wow. so as a kid, you don't know the difference. So you're like, yeah, we're great. We're doing yeah. good. Yeah. Hair is nappy. Mm-hmm. Just clothes is all over the place. And mm-hmm. um, it's crazy. It was crazy. And yeah. so uh dealing, like pretty much living with a crazy person is what, yeah. what it came down to. Yeah. Um, thank God I wasn't like I still have love and respect my mom because she wasn't a violent person. I could mm-hmm. never, I could never imagine. Um, like my dad never really put his hands on me mm-hmm. that I can remember. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm maybe I'm blocking that out. I don't know. But um because uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of holes in my in my memory where my, my, right. my granny would tell me things and she'd say, Yeah, that that actually happened. 
Yeah, like, I get that. Or my uncle or my aunt would tell me some stuff. Like I, I ran into my uncle. I was doing some business event out in Vegas, mm-hmm. and my uncle and aunt happened to be out there uh, at one of the um, the hotels out there. So I, I ran into him, and he was like, "Man, you got to bring your fiance back to L.A. Mm-hmm. She has to know that the dude that you're presenting now is like the genesis. Like, there's a genesis to that. And yeah. by coming back and meeting your relatives, you could tell her all day. You could tell, like, you know, say I could tell people this story all day, but then mm-hmm. when they go back and meet my folks and she hears from them about what I went through and the things that I did and things that I don't even really discuss with her, yeah, that's going to be a different situation. And I think that's going to be important for both of us uh, moving yeah. forward. I'm happy my uncle told me that because okay. I'm thinking like, oh, it's all good. He's like, no, 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 no. It's important to know where you come from yeah. and for her to know where you come from and what you've mm-hmm. been through and what you've overcome. Right. And that's why it's the same with you. It's like, your son should know, you know, what you've overcome and people mm-hmm. should know what you overcome because mm-hmm. they just see the end result. Yeah. And yeah. And I never want someone to think like, oh, you know, uh, I I just want people to know that what I, what's in my life is, you know, is very deserving and I've come a long way. And my son, he actually does know. I talk to him about everything that I've been through and everything that I went through. And he's well aware of who yeah. his nana is yeah <laughs> <laughs> did you ever did you ever decide because i'm actually thinking about and I've, i'm not thinking about this is one of the things that i'm i, I plan on doing is adopting mm-hmm. um because one of my dreams is to have the haywood estate yeah. so it'll be it'll be an estate because I, I i was a kid i was a, i grew up in la i wanted to have a ranch with like chickens mm-hmm. and horses and all kinds of shit yeah. and uh people were like yo you crazy like i'm this dude from la yeah with this LA swag, and I'm like, yeah, I want my own ranch. Like, I, <laughs> I don't talk like that no more. I want my own ranch, man. I'm gonna have horses. I'm gonna have like, it's gonna be dope. Like, <laughs> and I remember this because when I moved to Oklahoma, because I was at Tinker Air Force Base. Yeah. Everybody was like, man, you probably hated it out there. To be honest, I, I kind of liked it. Oh, 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 <laughs> I kind of <laughs> liked it. I kind of liked it. It was open spaces, because the thing for me is that my environment really affects me. Mm-hmm. And so living in Los Angeles, I wasn't in the city. So whenever I go to the city, I would immediately get depressed yeah. because you feel so tiny in a big city. Yeah, yeah. But you feel like you're larger than life when you're the king of the town, like you like mm-hmm. a small town. And I don't see anything wrong with that. Feeling, mm-hmm. you know, f- feeling feeling powerful. But yeah. in them cities, you see the graffiti, you see the you see the homelessness, you mm-hmm. see Skid Row. Mm-hmm. Um that was like depressing for me, and I, and so I, I I think about that um, a lot. Where I'm like, wow, I wonder, I wonder why I wanted those things as yeah. a kid. You know, it's interesting. Those dreams can really, 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 really are powerful, mm-hmm. powerful early on. And so yeah, yeah, yeah that that that'd be my dream is get hey, would it stay anyhow? Have cottages. Uh, I want to have it to where um, I adopt uh, kids mm-hmm. or. I, one of my friends actually did this. Uh, so her her family, they would take in. So say you were in that situation where you were yeah. being taken away from your family because they're trying to protect you from this abusive, abusive uh, relationship with your family. Mm-hmm. There's like homes people can go to for like a couple weeks while they're trying to find you a place to stay. Yeah. Um, like like an emergency home. Like so my friend, we were uh, we were out having a beer and then she gets a call and her uh, her wife goes and goes, uh, yeah, we need to go back to the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, "What's going on?" So she, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk about it later. Mm-hmm. So what they were doing was, and her wife was obviously sober, right? Yeah. Um, so when we got back to the next day, I seen her on Monday. She said, "Yeah, we actually our home. We have a couple rooms mm-hmm. where the kids go and stay at when they're when they're taken from a situation like s- s- similar to what you went through." Yeah. Um, have you have 
Have you looked into that? Uh, yes, I actually have. I know that they have, um, I wonder if your friend was part of Safe Place Youth uh, out in LA, um, but I know they have a program like that. I'm actually been- It was in Albuquerque. It was in New Mexico. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah. I definitely, if you, if you can get any information on that, I definitely yeah. want to- I yeah, because I was at Kirtland. I, that's about, I, I want to double back to oh that. Oh my god! That was the last. That was the last base I was at. I got a story for you on that. But oh, yeah, I was at. I was at. I was at Kirtland. Yeah, when I mm -hmm. when I when I came back from overseas, mm -hmm. um, I was at I was at Osan, and they uh -huh. gave, they cut orders, and I was at Kirtland Air Force Base yeah. in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh -huh. and I lived off of I forget the name of the streets and stuff. Uh, Morris, uh, Morris Street. It was like a real small street near. Um, I would actually go and run in them hills over there. Mm -hmm. Like Autumn oh. Hills, yeah, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Have you been up to? Are you still living out there? Yeah, I still live here. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, I moved out there, and uh, I was only there for like maybe like nine months, and then I left. Mm -hmm. But I was actually uh, I, the first weekend I was there was a Fourth of July weekend. Mm -hmm. It was back in two thousand fourteen, fifteen, something okay. like that. I got, I got, I got out in two thousand fifteen, so fourteen. Uh -huh. And I went up and I took the uh, the little thing up to the mountain thing. Like mm -hmm. it was like a like a a restaurant like on top of that. Yeah, yeah. uh-huh. Have you been up? Have you been up there yet? No. <laughs> you scared of heights? I am scared of heights. Yes. Yeah, you gotta do it. You gotta I'm do it at least good. once. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, when you do decide to do it, <laughs> yeah, just let I'll me know. It was, it was dope. So you're up so high. It was Fourth of July weekend, and I went up there, and they, they were doing fireworks on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I remember this. Uh, I just shared this story earlier, but uh. So it was 4th of July weekend. I go up there. I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going to watch the fireworks from up there. That's going to be dope. Mm -hmm. But you're so high. You're above the fireworks. Yeah. So you're looking down at the city. And it was kind of dope, though. You're seeing all these fireworks go off all throughout Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. So you may yeah. not. You may. You can drive up there, by the way. You know that, right? You can drive up there. Oh, no. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. No. You can get up. You can get up there without having to like hang on oh. that little thing. Okay. Yeah, I'm so, but yeah, I recommend doing it because you can see the whole city. It's a gorgeous mm -hmm. view. So if you like views, like it's dope. Yeah. It's dope, That's especially true. especially this time of year or whenever you know you want to go up there. But yeah, check that out. Okay, I will. Definitely. Yeah, I was I, I was working on the uh, uh, C one uh, thirties while I was there. Okay, nice. Okay, mm -hmm. so where did the Ospreys come in? Uh, they, I, I think they were on the. They were the hangar across from us. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like I said, I was there very temporarily. Like, I literally just was there to outprocess the Air Force. I was just there long enough. Okay. Because uh, I got there in November. I went on uh, leave for 30 days to, you know, uh -huh. and then I had house hunting, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I got out in March. So I got there in November and I got out of the military in March. And then I had oh. terminal leave for like 120 days. Oh. So, oh. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of leave. Yeah. So I just hung out. I literally left there March 19th and just drove mm -hmm. straight to Virginia. That is so crazy because I came here in um, October of 2015. So we just like this yeah, you just missed it. Yeah, yeah. because I was uh, I was I was uh, enrolled in 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 a uh, trade school uh, mm -hmm. here, and it was crazy because I drove out say Friday, and then by Monday I was here, mm -hmm. and I drove right to the school and got like checked into the school, signed on the paperwork. The guy, mm -hmm. the, the admin, had never met me, and he was like, uh -huh. "This was the weirdest situation ever, dude," because. I didn't think you were like a real person. Like you were like the perfect, you were like the perfect candidate. Like I called him. I had quite, I had no questions. I had done all uh -huh. the research and he was like, he was like, now he, he told me that uh, ever since he worked with me, 
he knows what to look for because when you talk about business, because we yeah. tie back to business, yeah, you have to decide what type of people, you, what are the candidates you're gonna approach, and if they right. if they bought that BS, mm-hmm. you gotta like you gotta fire them. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And so he told me that from meeting me and how everything was just kind of like mm-hmm. smooth like butter. He mm-hmm. was like, I said I was gonna work with, and he ended up being yeah. one of their top top guys because he wasn't he wasn't desperate. He was looking for mm-hmm. quality people. You I like that. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. dope. That was dope. Yeah, was dope. Yeah. So what's so what's your plan for your nonprofit now? Like what's because I know you've been so you, so you started a nonprofit in what uh, what month last year? Uh November. In November. And mm-hmm. so what's the plan for? Like what what would be like your five like five years from now, what would be your nonprofit if you were telling me like Oh yeah. And tell me as if it's already happening. This is like an exercise, okay, right? Yeah. So you're a nonprofit five years from now. What's going on with it? Well, I'm giving out assistance checks for people who need uh, help with rent, groceries, and daycare. Those things like providing immediate assistance, like a 24-hour turnaround, like 24 to 48-hour turnaround. Not like you go to other nonprofit or other other government agencies and you have to go through all this red tape just to try to get assistance. No, I want to provide assistance within 28 to 24 to 48 hours. Mm-hmm. So when people need oh, help, exactly. need help. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I want to I want to I want to talk about that one. Okay. All right, go ahead. What's next? Yeah. So when people need help, they need help, and then also just work to get work on plans to meet the needs of our homeless members, but also get them on the path to get them off the streets. Like each candidate, like help them come up with a plan so that we get them back integrated into society, so that they can have a better. How many? Life. How many families are you guys helping? Like, uh, like, because again, we're set. We're projecting this. So, how many yeah. families are are you guys helping on a monthly basis? If I'm helping, I want to. I'm helping like fifty families a month. I go okay. to dreaming passing about passing out checks to people, like helping them and things like that. Like fifty mm. families a month. We all deserve a good quality of life. We all deserve assistance, and that's why it's the system that affects people, not the people. People do what they can, how they can in the situations that they're in. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the system that is oppressing people. And, you know, we have to come out of that. They would bring I'm going to talk down. about the system too. In okay. a minute. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they'll bring people down for the almighty dollar instead of, you know, really reaching out there and uh, for the youth. And, for, and there's so many uh for profit nonprofits that is the real help is is overshadowed. You know, there's so many people who come into nonprofit to make money for themselves. So for them, their idea of, of success is continuing on with people being homeless or people being needing things. Mm-hmm. I want to be a nonprofit that works me out of being a nonprofit, you know, make me lose my job because I want to help that many people to where I'm no longer needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's, that's what I want to do. That's my dream. So my thing is this, and I said this, and now I'm, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate because I, okay. I, I like to challenge people. Yeah. Um, so the thing, the reason why I bring this up is because if somebody needs assistance within 24 to 48 hours, um, financially, is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, there, there should be also some questions that need to be asked. Meaning right. like, what led to this? Because mm-hmm. I always say this. I say, look, when somebody asks me for money, yeah. my, my first question is, um, I can give you the money, you know. Yeah. And and my and my 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 aunt, um, uh, oh man, and kind of well, my aunt's passed away, and she would come ask us for money. And uh, when she asked me for money, I knew 
that I probably wasn't gonna get it back yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because she was in a certain condition where she was always in need, right? Um, but there was underlying problems that caused her to need that money, right? Because she had yeah. other issues, other you know, it could be mental health, it could be this or that. So yeah. I think in that, yeah, getting people the assistance is important, but then it's also really, really important to see what cycle that they're in is causing them to be at that situation because a lot of people, you know, I work in finance. Yeah, and so no. I know the numbers. I know the numbers. Okay. So, and even before COVID, I would do my presentation. I'd say, look, savings, right? Mm-hmm. You know, 70% of people have less than $1,000 in savings. Mm-hmm. And of that 70%, um, half of those people have nothing saved whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we were in a financial crisis before COVID happened. Right. That's the reason why, if you think about it, that $1,200 that they sent out, the stimulus, quote unquote, yeah. check, was literally the government providing an emergency fund for people that are supposed to have their own emergency fund. Right. Because we're missing, we're misinformed, we're, we're missing, miseducated out. And so I challenge people financially where I say, well, look, if I if you can't invest and you can't do all this kind of stuff, that's fine. But mm-hmm. you can save five dollars a day and by this time next year have eighteen hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um I think if the person needs the funding, if I was doing it, I'd say, look, I'm going to help you uh, help you out right now, but you need to sign right here that once you get on your feet, you're going to put away $5 a day so that this time next year, you have your own emergency fund that you're not going to touch. You get what I'm saying? Because yeah. I would put together a course. I do this for free anyways, right? Because I don't get paid for that. But I would put together a course um, at no cost to them, right? Because it's nonprofit. Mm-hmm. But um, financial literacy education. Yeah. Because a lot of the issues that we're finding in the black community is is lack of financial literacy. We don't talk about money around our kitchen tables. Yeah. And the wealthy do. You know what I'm saying? That's grown folks business. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was a kid, I was one of those slick, you know, knuckleheads that would try to talk grown folks business, right? Uh And be all up in their business. And they're like, oh, you get out of here. We're talking about we're talking about bills and grown folks business. Um and I think that that's kind of a, a a misnomer. Like we should be teaching our kids how to how the bills work, how yeah. money's being put on the table, yeah. what's going on. But we don't want to talk about that because we're irresponsible with our money, mm-hmm. and so we don't want to show our mess to the kids. Exactly. Oh my gosh, I was just going to bring that up because no one wanted to talk about it because at that time they're struggling themselves as well. My son, you know, he has his own account now. You know, he's had his own account for I think two years now. And I he I do bring him to the table like when we're talking about the bills and stuff. He knows where everything goes, he knows how it works, he knows about assets and liabilities and things like that. <laughs> it is important, you know, it is important, and he is frugal. It's funny because I I had a conversation recently because we're both veterans. You know, yeah. I'm still I'm in, I'm still in the reserves and uh, mm-hmm. veteran kids tend to be the least financially uh, literate people that I've met. Like mm. like kids of veterans. And what's so, so funny about that though is that we gain all this knowledge. But my my business partner and Majita uh, Majita one of my one of my partners, she did a, a talk recently because we because in financial services we talk about life insurance we talk about beneficiaries right. But yeah. what we like to do is is break that down, and she broke this down so dope. She said, "Uh, what are, what benefits? What are your beneficiaries gaining from you? Not just financially, right? What are your habits? Yes. What, who who do you present to the world? Yeah, because they're they're picking up everything, they are. everything. They are. Mm-hmm. And so he, he they were talking about that. I'll, I'll tag you in that post because you're you're part of the group now. So uh-huh. I'll tag you in that, and you got to check this out because they really break that down mm-hmm. on how." We learn these things. We learn these lessons, these hard lessons learned. 
on uh, wasting your money, not saving it. And then we don't go and teach our kids this stuff. It's really right. heartbreaking. And that's, yeah. and even if somebody doesn't want to build a legacy, like a financial legacy, at least give the person a leg up mentally. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The concept of it being easier for our kids, we've turned it into a, an easy lifestyle, easy, easy lifestyle while they're kids. But we have mm-hmm. to prepare our kids to get out the door. And um, from the beginning- You're raising adults. You're not raising children. Exactly. I'm not raising, I'm raising my child so he can get out and have his own and have his own family. So as of now, LJ, like he'll talk about his future wife now. He'll talk about uh, providing for his family now. He'll talk about, you know, what he's going to do or, you know, what his future lot has future financially right now. And, right. you know, done mock budgets, you know, like you got X amount of dollars. What are you going to do? That type of thing. You got these choices. And it's really important to teach our kids uh, financial literacy because oftentimes, especially in the black community, we did not have that opportunity uh, from our parents. And I don't want to be a repeater of the cycle. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be that person that is has my child out there struggling because uh, he quote unquote had a good life while he was with me when I was in the military type thing. Mm-hmm. I want him to be able to get out there and get his own. So yeah, it's important. And this podcast really is, is it has a lot of layers to it for me personally, mm-hmm. because I'm tired of the narrative that yeah. black people don't know how to handle money. You know, I yeah. had an experience where we had an event and we had somebody come in there and we, you know, we were, we're having, we had wine and cheese. It was, it was a, it was a, it was a um, a promotional event, right? We're gonna go over our company and share some stories and, and then share what we do. And we had a, pot- a potential client come in there, and a lot of black people just dressed very professionally, just like anybody in finance. Yeah. And um, the young lady walked in and said, "Hey, oh yeah, I, 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 I'm the host of a lot of these events that I do. Uh, thing I'm, I'm involved in." I go, "Hey, man, may I help you?" She goes, "Oh, I'm not here for this." And I was like, "Well, what are you here for? I'm, I'm here for, you know, I don't I don't name my name of my company on the, on the podcast, but." Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm here for ABC, you know, financial, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that's just, that, 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 I don't do that because of uh, of uh, compliance things, right? Yeah. Get it approved. But anyhow, uh, ABC financial. And she goes, um, yeah, that's us. Yeah. <laughs> she And she looked around and everybody kind of looked at her like, really? <laughs> and I go, listen, ma'am, this isn't a, this isn't a, this isn't a family reunion. Go ahead and get yeah. signed it. Exactly. <laughs> because... <laughs> And you get what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, Which is, exactly. yeah. it's like, just because we black don't mean we don't work in finance. Exactly. And, yeah. and these are the conversations that we have to have because unfortunately, it's so crazy because I live in a world now where I don't play that, where I'm like, anybody's hold, nobody's holding me down. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody's, I don't put that power to nobody. Exactly. Yeah. I'm holding myself back. I, mm-hmm. I'm looking in the mirror like, bro, you need to get the shit together. Yeah. So, but when things like that do happen, reminds me like mm, we still got some work to do yeah we still have work to do there's so much work to do you and know that's I the purpose of this podcast we're having conversations yeah. we're having conversations on here um where i don't even it's funny too because my buddy keith anderson i was doing a podcast with him and i was sharing with him an experience that i had that was similar to that but a little bit a little more intense and i was asking should i should i get this person should i call this person have them apologize for what they did and this and that he's like dude lj listen no. you're doing better than that you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Don't waste your time and energy on petty stuff. He's like, look, I'm doing a dope podcast with you on Monday or whatever. I've done a couple of shows with you. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're black, white, Hispanic. None of that stuff matters to me. Mm-hmm. And 
worry about that. Like focus on people that don't get caught up in in that petty stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, where, where your attention goes, your energy will flow there too. Yeah. So you can't put energy towards that. You can't put attention towards that and move forward and present what, even if people don't believe it, right? They don't believe that we're doing these things. You do it anyways. Yeah. You don't need their approval. No, you don't. No, you don't. And, you know, thankfully, I'm, well, I could say unfortunately and fortunately, uh, since the 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 lifestyle I grew up and how, you know, really how you grew up too, LJ, we know we don't need approval, you know what I'm saying? Because we didn't even have it from our parents. So, you know, we know we don't need that. So I don't, I don't know if that plays into a part of, of how we, I'm, I'm sure it does, you know, how, how we have come up and, and keep surviving and thriving. Um, yeah, well, because because when, when when people get shook, and this is kind of funny too, and I I, I feel like I'm taking over this conversation, and I apologize. <laughs> but uh, I I think that when people get shook, like when I first got into the service, I knew I hadn't started drinking until I was like 21. And a lot of guys are underage drinking, blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and they were irresponsible. But I saw the end result, right? Like my yeah. dad, I I wasn't upset with him. I I was more disappointed. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And yeah. I wouldn't want my kid to look at me with the same feeling of this like disappointment and disgrace that I had. And right. um, and that's that's where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And then even in the um we have a lot more in common. I I, I think you're right. We have we have, we have, a, we have a, lot, a lot of things in common. And one of the things I realized is that when people were getting sugar, like, like I'm like, I've, I've been through worse than this. I had to remind myself like because I'm a very emotionally driven person. I uh-huh. know that. I wear my emotion on my sleeve. That's why I have a lot of issues in the military for early on. Mm-hmm. But what I've realized is the things that I would get upset about because I'm, I take every, I was taking, they've always said that, like, like the quote I always hear is, why you take things so personal? Mm-hmm. I'm like, because it's personal. Like, I, like, like yes. I, I just didn't care. I just <laughs> took it personal. Uh, and uh, and I was taught not to do that though, and I, and that was a lesson that needed to be learned. Where it's like they're not this is this person this this anger this hatred that's that's on them. That's not on that. They're not mad at me. Exactly. They're not mad at me. Mm-hmm. And I noticed though that I would I I would I would lash out if it were people or I had to check my shoulder, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be actually mad. It was just it was it was a tool in a toolbox. Yes. Right. And I would use it. People were like, "Yo, I, we think you're crazy." <laughs> Cause you're, you'll, you'll, you'll go off on somebody and then be like, cool the next moment. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm not really mad at this guy. I just, he, he needed to hear that. And okay. I'm like, I, I gotta, I gotta quit doing it. Like, I don't do it anymore. Obviously like this is like early on, mm-hmm. but it was just like, no, cause, um, things wouldn't shake me, you know, like even though yeah. I would be uh, upset or, or I'm like, all right, all right, this is just, this is just an obstacle. This is just an opportunity mm-hmm. for me to kind of, to, 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 to flex my stripes and, and know that I've, I've been through more uh worse things and yeah. recently i had to take that 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 moment and, and and breathe and be like man like you've been through a lot worse than this covid yeah. ain't really that big a deal right me. on it's yeah you know what i'm saying and, yeah. and, and and even though i think people hear that they may they may i want people to mis- misinterpret what i'm saying mm-hmm. i think that this is a serious situation but you can't live in fear and right. you can't live your life as if Every like the walls are caving in on you all the time. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Especially when you're a leader. When you're when you're a leader, people are looking at you to to like to give them guidance. People are trusting mm-hmm. you. Yeah. My sisters, they look up to me now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. important, and that goes back to you are enough because I think. Uh, so let me ask you a question. When when I I sent you a list of topics to talk about, uh, why did this particular um, 
area of discussion uh, resonate with you? Well, you know, you are enough resonating with me because my mom used to curse me out all the time. You know, she would tell me I couldn't make it. And I basically I should kill myself. Not basically. She said I should kill myself. Wow. Um, she didn't want me. You know, uh, she put me down every chance she got, you know. And so I had to uh, find that within that I was worthy. That, that negative I, self-talk she was. Yeah, yeah, did, you, did you? Oh, I, I, I got to ask you this question. Did Was there a point where you were hearing certain things in your head and you had to think about like, where am I getting that messaging from? And is that my messaging or is that her messaging? Yes, there are times. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, there are still times today where that will creep up on me. And mm. certain times in the past what I, where I would actually self-sabotage, you know, self-sabotage, like I didn't deserve this opportunity. Or I didn't, I don't deserve uh, what's coming to me. But, but I realize now, and I have to remind myself of this, that I am worthy and I do deserve it, you know, and I do know that I am enough, you know. And so it's, it's like little, little things will come up still that I have to uh, realign myself, like get back and focus or meditate and know that, no, I got this. I deserve this. This is uh, in my purpose. This is for a reason and just continue on. Yeah. I, I think the worst quote that I've ever heard, and, and when I say sticks and stones will hurt your, uh, but words will never hurt you or whatever, like, you know, break your bones. Yeah. Words, the language, like thinking, right? Because yeah. words create thinking and thinking yeah. creates action mm -hmm. and action. Uh, no, thinking leads to emotion and emotion leads to action. Mm -hmm. And so if you have negative self-talk because you've been told all these negative things, yeah. that you're not enough, that you're not these things and you're not worthy. You got to, you got to fight that back with, um, I'm like, I have this, I have this affirmation that I, I I've been using where I'm a marketing genius. Mm -hmm. That's my, that's my affirmation. And I really believe that. Like mm -hmm. I actually really believe that, you know? And, and I was talking to my business partner and he was like, yo, dude, I got to work on my affirmations because I actually believe that about you too. Mm -hmm. Because he was saying, he's like, cause you can have affirmations where like, you're beautiful, you're this, you're that. But I'm looking for like, what is the one big domino that's going to make everything else irrelevant? Right. Right. And if oh. I'm a marketing genius, then everything else is going to fall into place. And that's just yeah. my view. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, that's why I take on, I take on a lot of projects that I, I don't get paid for it. Mm -hmm. Because I don't care about the like I don't care about the money. I want the right. mind. Yeah. I want I, I want I want the um I want the reps. Yeah. So I have a lot of projects that I have my hands in right now where I don't get any credit and I'm not looking for the credit. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, when I put my own shit out, it's gonna be dope because I've been yeah. doing all this other stuff for all these other people. Yeah. And that's and that's where the reps come in, right? And that's, that's sure. and that's saying like if because if you don't believe you're enough, your belief level really will dictate where you go in life. Yeah. You know, it, because like if I didn't believe in myself, I wouldn't be with the person that I'm with right now. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. she's a strong person. Mm -hmm. And strong people don't want to be around weak men. Yeah. Strong yeah. women don't want to be with a weak weak men. No. And I'm I not mean, saying we, you know what I'm saying I, I don't want to be disrespectful <laughs> to anybody, but I got and I'm I feel like I'm not I know I'm not there yet. That's another thing. You gotta have you gotta have some humility. But I also know, like recently, uh, I started working out again. I'm like, man, I'm getting kind of weak. Like, I need to start mm -hmm. just to just to keep the pace that I'm I'm setting now with the business mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I have to. I'm like, what's what's holding me back? Oh, I've been working out. Okay, uh, why am I getting these headaches? I haven't been eating, I haven't been eating right. You know, yeah. like all these things. But if you ain't doing anything, none of that stuff matters. Yeah. <laughs> if you ain't got yeah. no goals, no dreams, no ambitions, mm -hmm. who cares what you eat? Exactly. Who cares? 
exactly. You know, and, and that's a that's a really good point. Like, you know, we have to get it for ourselves. You know, we have to do it for ourselves. And when you're taught, when like when I was growing up, when you're basically my, I was being molded to fail. So anything after that, you know, it's just glory for me. It's just, you know, it's like I can do this. I can make it. I got this. So because of what I've been through, I know I'm enough to move forward. You know, and you've learned the principles now that that that, um, it, you know, you you when you when you go through some stuff, you cherish those lessons learned. And I man, we have so much in common. There was a quote I used to say to people when I was about 18, 19, where I said uh, and I would say just point blank when I was in the military, I said, I have to unlearn some shit. Mm hmm. Yeah. I have a lot of shit I need to unlearn because the way I would have talked to the way I talk to people is totally different now. Mm -hmm. The way the way I um, approach a person with with sincerity and and care is totally different now because I was a very uh, I was a very charismatic person, but I didn't give a shit about anybody else. You know, right. I just was doing my own thing, and now I have this kind of like a mindset now where I'm like, man, like what you say to people really does matter. You know, how, you, how you talk to people, you could you could smile at somebody today. They're probably they could have been getting ready to 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 check out. Oh, yeah. That. Oh, my gosh. Yes, that is so true. Words matter. And what we say and how what we do every day matter. And even saying like hi to that little child in the grocery store or whatever, that that matters. You know what I'm saying? Those things matter. And one of one of the things I always use is I take the word responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I always say that, you know, you have the ability to choose how you're going to respond. Mm, I love that. Yes. And so that's how I approach each and every situation, even the smallest of things, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm thinking about my choices and, and how I want to approach the situation. Because you can always take that time to pause for yourself and then address or pause for yourself. And then figure out, okay, what's the what's the best route? I could do this. I could go off on this person. Or, you know, I could just, <laughs> I could like punch this person in the face. So I could just like let it go, right? <laughs> you know? I was just talking to my friend. So uh, she listened to the podcast and uh, she's, you know, she's going through like a breakup or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, it's funny because the person she's breaking up with was a friend of mine before I met her, right? Mm -hmm. And I was giving them some advice and I said, uh, She's kind of like she's kind of like like a buddy. So I was mm -hmm. like, "Yo, you should get like you should put a gym in your in your like <laughs> because she was gonna turn she was gonna turn her uh, garage into like 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 almost like a bar setup." But I'm thinking like, is that healthy though? Mm -hmm. It sounds fun, yeah. But now that I'm I'm on this health tip, I'm like, you know, it would be even doper though to turn it into like a boxing gym. She's mm. like, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that idea because now you know you got all this aggression. You're upset. Yeah. How you gonna put hit the hit the punching bag, hit them bags, you know? And she was like, Oh yeah, we need to go and offer her up and get that done ASAP yeah. when we get back. Yeah. I'm like, Yeah, because I know how to kickbox and how to jujitsu, boxing, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So we could go instead of going over there drinking, let's go yeah. over there and 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 work out. Yeah, work out. Hit, 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 hit the bags. What you think? That sounds fun, right? That's dope. That's dope. <laughs> I like that. So yeah. as we wrap up, as we wrap up, uh Barbara, um, I like to let my guests get the last word, and this is just uh, a habit of mine. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's refreshing to hear uh, from the guests. So everything we talked about, um, what would you like to leave our audience with? And I mean, you can refer back to the topic of "you are enough" if, 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 if you, if you feel so, or if not, whatever, uh, whatever's last on your mind. Yes. Okay. So 
what I would, the last thing I would like to say to the guests is, um, you may be in a bad situation right now, or you know, you know, you may have had bad situations in the past, but there's always something extra in you, and I need people to tug onto that and push push that to the forefront, so that you can maneuver yourself out of those situations. And this just to know that literally you are enough and you can make it and you can get through this. You can get through whatever you're going through. You know, people say, oh, you know, put your mind through it. No, you put your whole being into it because your survival and we need you is necessary. You know, we need you here. Everyone has a purpose. Uh, we're all a part of this big puzzle and we need you here and we need you to bring what you have to the table and we know that you can make it. This has been Build It Bootcamp with your new friend, LJ Haywood. If you got any value out of this podcast, then go ahead, tap that subscribe button and share this podcast with a close friend that's entrepreneurial minded. And hey, I look forward to seeing you on future episodes. Talk to you soon.